Amen, amen. Go ahead and be seated, City Light. Thank you, Kristen. Hey, good morning, City Light. Hey, good. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here today. Again, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. If you don't have your Bibles, open them up, though, if you do. Uh, verses 26 through 38 is going to be our text. And I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Um, again, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm going to jump right in. The thing I want to make clear to us out of our text this morning, the big idea that I want to argue and show you in our text is this, that Jesus doesn't just forgive us of our sins, but Jesus invites us into a mission bigger than ourselves. I'll say this again. Uh, Jesus doesn't just forgive us of our sins, but Jesus invites us into a mission bigger than ourselves. I'll say it like this. Jesus didn't just forgive you of your sins, but he's invited you into something bigger than yourself. Amen. This is really, really good news because um, we are not just people that know that the gospel frees us of our past, present, and future sins, uh, that we know that we used to be sinners and we're going to go to heaven someday. Instead, there's this in-between space and what do we do? Do we just sing and just study theology or is there something more that we can do? Yeah, the gospel would say, yes, God's going to invite us to participate in his global and eternally significant mission in church, this morning I want to remind us of that. Because I think it's very possible for us as Christians to kind of, kind of get off course and kind of forget about the primary mission and marching orders that God has invited us into. And we can start to live for a lot smaller things in mission. Amen? We can start to live for just getting our kids into the right academic university like Wayne State College. Like you may set the bar very high and just <laughs> private tutoring classes, all that, just to get them in. They probably won't get in. It takes a lot, okay? But um, if they have a pulse, they'll get in. Anyway, so uh, maybe, maybe your mission right now is just to get your kid on that select sports team, okay? Uh, maybe your mission is to move up the corporate ladder, and that's really the thing that's kind of consuming your thoughts and your relationships and your networking. Maybe it's to finally get ready for retirement financially. Maybe it's to move into that neighborhood with that school district. Maybe it's finally uh, to get that booze attention, right? Like, whatever that is, all of us have these little missions that we're kind of living for, and not all of those things are bad, church. We live in those realities. I understand those dynamics, but they're really, really small in scope and significance compared to the mission of God. And this morning, I want to say, Jesus is inviting you to something bigger, something more beautiful, that God doesn't just want to work in you, but you know that God can use you to work in the lives of other people, and that's what I want to invite us into. Now, this morning, pray for me, because I'm going to try to preach a 20-minute sermon, 12 verses and 20 minutes. Now, that's a miracle, <laughs> because I can preach 40 minutes on a word, okay? So, <laughs> word today is grace. <laughs> Okay, no, right? Like, this is going to be a miracle. But the reason I want to preach 20 minutes and not 40 minutes is because I want to hand over the stage and platform. So what I want to do here is for the first 20 minutes, I want to show you how the gospel was moving forward, how the mission of God was moving forward in the early church. Okay, so we're going to look at Acts 8, 2,000 years ago. How did the God use the people of God to take the gospel unto new people groups? I want to show you guys he's been doing that for a while. Then I want to hand over the stage to a group of friends that have traveled across the world from a really far place to come here and be with us this morning. Morning, and they're going to brag on how God is moving among the nations even now. The mission of God is advancing. Jesus Christ is still seeking and saving the lost. And so we're going to hear stories about God's moving all across the world. Amen. So that's what we're going to do today. Little Bible time, couple story time. That's where we're going. I'm going to jump right into our text, okay? First two things I want to ask you guys. I have two questions that I want us to wrestle with this morning. The first one is this. Will you humbly go where God leads? Will you humbly go where God leads? The reason I want to ask this question is... Um, 
we are supposed to be a going people. As I talk about the mission of God, I hope that's happening in our minds as we're kind of triggering back to Matthew chapter 28, a familiar passage that some of you guys know. Jesus himself, after his resurrection, gives the disciples, us, the people of God, the scorecard for our lives. He says that, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he gives us this promise, surely I'll be with you to the very ends of the age. Guys, you know our scorecard as Christians is not big crowds. It's not a big social media following. It's not vanity. It's not materialism. It's not popularity. Our scorecard is disciples. Real people that would meet Jesus, know Jesus, love Jesus, follow Jesus, get baptized in the name of Jesus, and walk with Jesus all their lives. That's the thing that we're supposed to be giving our mission and our lives to. And he says the mission is massive. This isn't just happening in your neighborhoods. It's happening out in the nations. And he's saying the scope is huge. The significance is eternal, and my means are you. That me and you, look around this room, we're God's means to reach the world for his glory. Amen? That's the great commission, the mission of God that God's called us into. And then you get to the book of Acts and we see how, do, how does the early church work this out? Couple, 11 disciples are left. What happens? He comes to them and he reminds them, this is how this whole mission is gonna take place. He says, you will be my witnesses when you receive the Holy Spirit and you go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What he's saying is, listen, the Spirit of God is gonna fall on you. And then what's gonna happen is you're gonna start to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that his death, life, death, and resurrection is enough for salvation for real people. And what's gonna happen is this gospel is not gonna just stay localized in a city with a people group that all speak the same language and all look the same way and all vote the same way and all make the same amount of money. No, it's gonna cross all these boundaries. Social economic boundaries, racial boundaries, cultural boundaries. God is gonna redeem a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's what he's gonna do. That's amazing, you guys. And 2,000 years later, guys, look around the world. It's true, the gospel that kind of started, Jerusalem's a significant place. Jesus died there, rose from the grave there, the early church happened there. You guys remember Pentecost happened, Peter stood up, 3,000 people came to know the Lord. It took me seven years to get a church of 3,000. It took him a day, okay? I'm a little bit jealous, all right? So, a little envious, I'm gonna talk to him about that in heaven. All right, so. But what happened at this point, let me remind you of the story in Acts 1 through 7. God gives the promise that it's going to start in Jerusalem and then it's going to fan out to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the ends of the earth. But guess what? Nobody's leaving Jerusalem. There's been no movement outside of the city. The people of God are inward focused. They're hanging out in their neighborhoods. They're excited about how God's moving locally. But they forgot about the other part of the Great Commission. They forgot about the other promise to go outside of Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. They're kind of just hanging in the city. So one through seven, the whole local church is a revival in one city. And then what happens is there's a mission conference. No, God doesn't use a mission conference. God doesn't use a prayer meeting. He uses persecution on the church. What gets their attention is a man named Saul, who will later become Paul, but Saul's a religious leader and he's doing his best to stomp out Christianity. And his plan is he's gonna persecute Christians. He's gonna arrest them. Acts chapter seven, a guy named uh, Stephen, we just heard about, got stoned to death, okay? Lost his life for the gospel. He's the first martyr. So Christians are coming under great persecution. This is not a good time to be a Christian in Jerusalem. And guess what happens? It gets hot in the city and they bounce. So Christians are like, I'm out. Homie over here is trying to arrest people. I'll just move outside of the city. The problem is Saul's plan backfires because they move, but they don't give up on Jesus. 
They just go into new regions, Samaria and Judea. That's where the Christians are at. There's a spreading and a scattering effect happening in the local church. And now they just tell all their new neighbors about Jesus. And they just start new city groups and new missional communities. And they start new churches. That's what's happening. The gospel is spreading out. And today we're going to zoom in on one story of a guy named Philip. Ordinary dude who takes the gospel to the ends of the earth kind of people, okay? That's what we're going to see in Acts chapter 8. So let me guys open up your Bibles. Again, Acts chapter 8, we're going to look at it. Uh, 26 and 27 is where we're going to start to read today. Let me show you guys this verse. It says, now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and, there's our word, go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Let me introduce us to our characters first. You guys remember Philip? Acts chapter 6, we meet Philip for the very first time. He's a deacon and a servant in the church, which means he didn't preach. Um, He was more of a servant. Uh, There was a, a problem with some widows who were not being fed and served and cared for. And so the elders of the church, uh, they said, hey, we need to find seven guys that are filled with the Holy Spirit, have great character, and they can serve the people among us who are being overlooked. This is an amazing moment. Philip gets picked to be uh, a, a deacon in the church. He's a servant. He's a guy that's saying, if you need help with the parking team, I'm your guy. You need some help with security, I'm your guy. If you need some help in the kids ministry, I'm your guy. Let me know how I can use my gifts. I just want to serve the body of Christ. Awesome guy. Amen. But here's what happens because of persecution. He gets launched out of Jerusalem. Now he's in a new city, Samaria. Okay. And what happens in this region is he moves from a guy who's serving the poor to a guy who's preaching good news. Because nobody in this region, there was no other preacher. They're like, Philip, you came from Jerusalem. Tell us what's happening. And he started telling people about the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, verse 8, I I don't have time to preach through it, but it says the whole city that he's in is filled with joy because they've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody better say amen. I want revival that happened not just in your heart and not just in your neighborhood, but among the nations that they would say, man, the whole country's lit up on fire with Jesus. There's a new joy because their shame has been taken care of by the name of Jesus, amen? I wanna see that happen in my neighborhood, in my networks, and among the nations. And so, but here's the invitation of God. Did you guys hear it? He's got revival happening in his city. He's the preacher. Everybody's showing up. And God says, hey, buddy, I got an invitation for you. An angel shows up. Go. Leave the city start walking towards Gaza, which is 50, 60 miles south into a desert region. He says, where am I going again, God? You got a resort somewhere, Cancun, Hawaii, Honolulu? No, the desert. You know, New Mexico, take a left where they did the nuclear testings. Just keep heading that way, right? Like, okay, is is there something gonna happen down there? No guarantees of safety, no guarantees. Like, if this was me, I would have significant objections to this invitation to go. Can we just acknowledge that? Like, I, I would probably say, God, hey, just in case you missed the memo, there's revival happening in their city. Now is not a good time. Like, could I just maybe, maybe we could just do your whole, like, go to the desert, maybe like next year, check in, give me a couple months to get this thing settled, you know? Um, there's no, no guarantee that this is gonna be a safe travel. There's no guarantee that there's gonna be a significant work that happens at the end of this journey. It's literally just leave what you're doing, start walking, and wait for further instructions. And if you notice, it says this amazing thing. He says he rises and goes. He rises and goes. I I absolutely love this posture from Philip because you're seeing that he says yes to the things of God, amen? He says yes to the things of God. Let me show you how this plays itself out. Let's jump back into the story. He says, this is a desert place, verse 27. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship God, And was returning, seated in his chariot, 
And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, uh, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said to him, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invites Philip to come up and to sit with him. Again, we're going to talk more about this Ethiopian eunuch in just a second. But I want to see you guys. What an amazing posture Philip is in, amen? Literally, he says, I would need you to leave the city, start walking, head down a, a kind of a dusty dirt road, and then wait for further instructions. And there's Philip. He's just posted up at an intersection. Okay, this is like the Lord telling you, go to McCook, take a left outside of town, go into that dirt road, the one where you see nothing but abandoned cornfields, and just wait for further instructions. He says, amen. That sounds like a nightmare. I would say, Lord, send someone else. Please, Jesus, just come back and rapture us all. Just right now. Please return. Just return right now. New heavens, new earth. I ain't got time for that. Okay, I don't, nobody, I don't know what they do down there in the corn. I'm scared. I'm already nervous, okay? Being alone makes you happy. Being alone in a cornfield makes me very nervous, okay? I don't know if I got Wi-Fi. There's no Starbucks. It's very scary to me. But I love this man's posture. I love this man's posture. He basically has a yes to the things of God, amen? And I want you guys to see this. Sometimes the invitations of God don't make a ton of sense right here because we're always focused on what God's got for us right in front of us, don't we? And we sometimes forget that God's already got something for us beyond us. He's inviting you into it. He's already went ahead. He's already working this thing out. He's already lining up this divine appointment. And what we see is that all of a sudden, he's having this interaction with this Ethiopian uh, eunuch, this man who's asking real spiritual questions. And um, guys, I just want to say, he, Philip could have just simply said no to the things of God and he would have completely missed out. Because he's going to get the joy of seeing this man come to faith in Jesus and then get baptized in the name of Jesus. And this is more than just one person having a divine appointment with another person. Guys, this is Acts 1-8 getting played out because Ethiopia was the ends of the earth. They literally didn't know what was beyond at this time, what was past the kingdom of Ethiopia and Africa. This was the very ends. This man represents a person from a different culture, from a different nation, from a different skin color, and this was the gospel moving outside of just a Jewish people in Jerusalem into the ends of the earth. Is this not amazing? God is accomplishing Acts 1-8, and he's using Philip to tell this gospel story. And I want to ask ourselves the question, are we people who are saying, God, I want to participate in the mission and the story you're writing, and I'm willing to go? Are you willing to go across the street to your neighbor? Are you willing to go into the home of that non-Christian family member? Are you willing to go uh, to the nation so that they could hear the good news of Jesus Christ? Are we people who have a yes on the table to the things of God? And I just want to invite us in the church because I know that God writes amazing stories. He makes amazing stories that are so much bigger than the story you could author in your own life. The question is, will we put our yes on the table to the things of God? Because I can promise you, if you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit in your life, God wants to use you. And you might say, I'm not ready and I don't have what it takes and now's not a good time and you might have a million excuses, I promise you. You have what it takes if you have the Holy Spirit in your life. And he will prompt you to pray for somebody. He will prompt you to take somebody to coffee and ask them their story. He will prompt you to move towards somebody who doesn't look like you. And will we be people who say yes to the mission of God, amen? And globally, I just want to ask, this, this is more than just one guy. This is the gospel crossing over some boundary. This is the nation starting to get reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a new tribe, a new tongue, a new people group, a new skin color. The gospel is moving out. 
And I just want to say, this is amazing. God's heart for the nations is at play here. This is what's happening. God's saying, I'm going to the nations. And Philip, you're invited into the mission to see the nations be glad in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And church, I just want us to be a church that doesn't say, yeah, 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 we're planting some churches locally, but we're missing out on what God's doing globally, amen? And so what would this look like for us to be people who say yes to the prompting to go on short-term mission trips? To be yes, we're gonna plant churches in the Midwest, in this region, we're gonna send people out. That's been what God has done around here. But say, no, no, we wanna raise the temperature because we don't wanna miss out on what God's doing over there, amen? So maybe some of you guys in this room have been prompted to go, to pray, to give, to be generous to the things of God, to pray for missionaries, to partner with them in some way, to visit them and encourage them, or just to say, God, my yes is on the table. If you call me to go, I'll go. And guys, I promise you, you're not wasting your life. Sometimes I think we think that's the worst thing that could ever happen to us. God, don't send me to the jungle. Why? Do we not wanna see God move, change lives, make cities happy because the gospel has come to them? It's amazing, amen? Let's be a people who say yes to the things of God. Nobody's saying amen, ain't nobody ready to go. Anyways, um, <laughs> I get it. I don't wanna go down to McCook sometimes. Anyways, um, let me press in the second question. Will you boldly share the gospel with others? Will you boldly share the gospel with others? Remember, um, remember what happened here is that the gospel moves forward because uh, Philip puts his yes on the table, but he doesn't just go and hang out with this guy. It's not like, hey, let's just hang out and be friends and play video games and Fortnite all day, right? Like, this is not just, let's talk about your feelings. This is Philip actually saying, I, got, I wanna tell you about Jesus through the word of God. He's gonna open his mouth and point him to Jesus. And here's what we've learned about this Ethiopian man. We don't know his name, but we know a lot about him. And we know he's a man of wealth and power and prestige. He has responsibility. He's a person of influence, and how do we know this? He was literally the CFO of the entire kingdom of Ethiopia, okay? His direct report on the org chart is the queen, the boss lady, okay? So he's seating at the table. His direct report is the CEO, and he is a person who has been entrusted with a significant amount of resources, okay? So this is him. We also know, more than anything, he has a significant spiritual hunger. And how do you know that? Well, I used some Google Maps this week, okay? And Ethiopia, where he was, to Jerusalem, 1,200 miles, y'all. That's a long journey. That's a long journey. He's using a significant amount of time and resources to travel day after day, day after day, day after day, just to make his way through a desert, through Africa, through what is Egypt, all the way up into Jerusalem. This was a significant commitment, and why did he do it? Because he knew something was missing. He was trying to have an encounter with God. And now he's been to Jerusalem, he's sung the songs, he observed the traditions, he's literally reading Isaiah. He's trying on his way home just to put the pieces together and to find life. And he's going home disappointed saying, man, I, I didn't encounter what I was hoping to encounter. And so here's what God is doing. He is gonna move uh, Philip in a position to explain to him, this is not about a religious tradition. This is about the power of Jesus Christ to make dead things alive and revival is gonna happen in this man's heart. So let me show you guys how this plays out. Uh, verse 32. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading, this is the Ethiopian man, was this. Like a sheep he was led to slaughter and like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, I love this question. About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. Come on, y'all. Then Philip opened his mouth. Come on, y'all. Don't stay silent. Then Philip opened his mouth, y'all. Somebody better testify. Then Philip opened his mouth. Somebody better give a witness. Then Philip opened his mouth and he told a story about how God would be good. Then Philip opened his mouth and started proclaiming. 
and beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus Christ. Come on, man. Who is the lamb that was slain for us, y'all? Jesus, who was the one who endured injustice so we wouldn't have to? Jesus, this is not just pointing to a religious principle or to a prophet or to an old preacher. It's pointing to the lamb that was slain, the innocent one that gave his life for the guilty, Jesus. And he got to proclaim to this Ethiopian man, the life you're looking for is in faith in the man Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. Would you see that he came to rescue you? That's where life is gonna be found. You ain't gotta go on a journey to Jerusalem. He'll dwell in you that's the good news and you got to share and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ church sometimes we have this moment in people's lives number one I want to let you know there's people like this Ethiopian eunuch all around you and they look like they got wealth and they got resources and they got title and they got a position and they live in the neighborhood and they got their kids in the right neighborhood and all that stuff but I want you to know they, they know they're empty and you know people are asking spiritual questions what's the purpose of my life where do I find joy What's the meaning of it? What do I get my sense of identity? Is there anything bigger than me? Or am I just trying to be worshipped? And then when you get worshipped, you realize that's not a good thing either. Are not people asking and longing for spiritual truth all around us? And we got the answer. Sometimes we keep our lips real quiet. And I want us to be a people who humbly go and boldly proclaim that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. Let me close with this. I want us to care about the mission of God. Because Jesus Christ cares about the mission of God. He came and did he not promise, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail? Did he not promise, I will come to seek and save the lost? And what is Jesus Christ right now doing? He's leading his people into a mission, not just for other people's joy, but ultimately for his glory, because the end of mission is his worship. And so God wants to saturate this world with people that would worship him and give him the glory that he deserves. And we get to participate in that God-centered mission. Amen? Amen.